edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. A lot of great stuff to talk about today on the show. Obviously, in the first part of the show, we're going to talk about the Badgers' massive upset win over the Michigan State Sartans at home without Brad Davison, without Kobe King. They came out and played their hearts out and really won a a battle-tested game down to the wire against one of the top teams in college basketball. So, it was really fun to watch and we'll get into everything with that. And then in the back half, rather than a position preview, we have Alan Tro of 247 Sports. He covers Midwest recruiting for 247. A ton of great insight. A lot of things that, you know, when Matt and I discuss recruiting on here, I don't think we know half as much as what Alan did. And he gave a lot of great insight and knowledge that the the common fan may not think about it in terms of recruiting. So a lot of exciting stuff to get to. I think you guys will really enjoy the interview at the back end. But first, we're going to talk some basketball. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. You know, I just I think that was such a an uplifting game for the Badgers basketball program and a much needed win. And it just kind of, you know, a breath of fresh air back into the program after a, a whole heap of negativity from last week and um, that we we covered and we were kind of on pins and needles for at all times. But how are you doing today? Good. It was I, I agree with you completely. It was obviously a huge win given the turmoil that, that this program kind of endured. And obviously this this team could have just rolled over and, and played dead and, and took their lumps against this team and nobody would have faulted them. I think everybody was kind of not maybe expecting it, but wouldn't be surprised if that happened. And, and obviously the Badgers came out and, and, and played really well on both ends of the floor. They they battled through you know tough runs and, and tough scoring threats. Obviously Michigan State made that furious comeback in the second half. When they were down, I think at most it was was 20 points or something 2019. So it was it was good to see a, a team that that really battled and and it was fun to watch and obviously it was a huge huge win for the Badgers and kind of steers the ship back in the right direction after a a less than ideal week for the program as a whole. Yeah, because I mean if you look in the standings right now, you a win like that puts you right back in into things. You know, I don't think anybody's looking at where Wisconsin's at and was thinking, hey, this team's got a chance to win a Big Ten title anymore. But to put them back in contention to to get a uh, a bye that first day of the Big Ten tournament, be able to put yourself in a seating location in which you could get a, a win that first game and, and and then have to to battle against a really tough team like like maybe Maryland or something, uh, is, is is huge for them because you just need to continue to add add uh, wins. I thought I think I saw they're projected like a seven seed right now or so, and I think I think Badger fans would be ecstatic with that. Um, just when you consider how the how the season started at the beginning, where they lost some games that a lot of people thought that they shouldn't have. Yeah, exactly. That's that's the biggest thing is whenever when you talk about these last stretch of ten games, obviously each one matters and each one is very important. But to get a game that I think you and I were both kind of we knew it would be a tough game to win, obviously, and that that adds to a a struggle to get that win and then a struggle to turn it around after that. But to pull off that upset, that breathes some some much needed fresh air into a program. So it's it's really exciting to see and I think it'll hopefully keep them on the right direction as they take on some teams that 
they really should win and should beat. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back from an upset win to an expected win. And I think that's going to be something to pay attention to as they get ready for their battle with Minnesota. But let's talk about the game itself. Obviously, the first half they came out you know, like gang bas- gangbusters, went into the half you know, up, up 43 to 27 and, and really just came out and looked incredibly impressive. Everybody that was playing was playing hard on both ends of the floor. They were making shots. They were looking more like Wisconsin basketball used to look like. Uh, but what really stood out to you maybe in that first half that after you know coming out and ex- seeing something so negative in the week the week leading up to, how impressive was it for you to see them them come out like that? Yeah, I think it was the energy level. They really were playing well as a team, communicating really well, um, and they were hustling. You know, you've seen at times where this team has looked a little complacent coming out on the after the tip, and and they've had the slow starts, and that wasn't this game whatsoever. You, there's a lot to talk about in the second half, but in the first half, I mean, that that looked like a team that could could beat a lot of teams. You know, a lot of the top 25 they could take down if you're going to be playing basketball like that for 40 minutes. So I think the Badgers came out. They fed off that crowd. The crowd was really good. Um, at times this year, this, the crowd has been kind of lackluster, but they were pretty boisterous in this one. And, and the Badgers definitely fed on that. They talked about in the, and that about that in the post game that they were really hoping that the team would be there. And I think that was very telling about um, the amount of fan support that were there, especially coming off of a, a tough week. Yeah, a really tough week. And the fans could have very well continued that trend of of not being into the game and, and maybe not giving that effort. But they certainly showed up. And it was impressive to hear the Cole Center from, like what you mentioned, that you haven't heard a lot of it you know, this season so far. So to get that energy going for those guys who've already battled through so much, to have the crowd behind you, I think is a big momentum builder in college basketball. And I'm, I'm really impressed with the team as a whole in that first half. Any certain players stick out to you that, that had a good game overall? I mean, it, it seemed pretty spread even. Obviously, Reavers had his points. Everybody kind of poured in their points. But who maybe stood out to you that had a, a solid effort on, on either side of the basketball? Uh, one guy in particular was Aleem Ford. Uh, I think, mm-hmm. you know, at times this season, he, he's been a kind of a punching bag for his missed three-pointers or sometimes not being uh, nearly as stout uh, on still trying to get stronger. But I, I thought he did a phenomenal job on the defense, you know, put in 13 points on five of six shooting, four rebounds, and, and really just did a really good job of not forcing things, but instead let the game come to him, but while also being aggressive. He was taking the ball inside. And on top of the two three-pointers he hit outside, and then he was playing phenomenal defense on the other end. To, to limit Xavier Tillman, who is one of the better big men in, in the Big Ten, to seven points, that's really impressive. Um, I, I thought the Badgers just interior defense in general was strong, both by Reavers and Ford, and then you also throw in Potter. But, but I thought that Ford was, in my eyes, um, one of the MVPs of that game just because of what he did on both ends of the court. And, and it, it wasn't a game that you necessarily saw and you knew people were going to have to step up, but he, he exceeded my expectations in that game um, for what he could do and what he did. Most definitely. I mean, you think about Aleem Ford's season, you mentioned that he's already kind of been a punch bag and he's had some rough games and hasn't maybe not progressed the way a lot of people expected because he's played a lot of basketball for Wisconsin in his career. But when you think about it, he played 34 minutes in that game, not only not only just being on the court, but was putting buckets in, was playing good defense on a top you know caliber forward in the Big Ten. 
But that's that's a lot more minutes than what I don't know his average. I think in Iowa he only played 19, maybe 20 minutes, and I can't ex- imagine any other game where he's played more than that. So to come out and play 34 minutes of of excellent basketball is really telling of a guy that is is maybe found a new role with the departures and the you know Brad Davis's suspension. But it clearly shows that when when everything comes together that he can play quality basketball for this team. Yeah, I mean he 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 averaged 23 minutes a game, you know, coming into that game. So it's it it's that's a pretty substantial difference in his output. And you know the other two guys that really jumped off. I know um, Greg Gard said that he thought that that might have been Aleem Ford's best game of his career. But the the two guys who were also fabulous in that game were Demetric Trice and Brad Dave or uh, not Brad Davidson, but Brevin Fritzel. Mm-hmm. I thought they both you know they both played 39 plus minutes. Um, I thought Trice, the way he had to guard Winston on defense, and then you're playing 39 plus minutes. Uh, I asked him in the post game how he was feeling, and 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 he said it was probably the most tired he's ever been after a basketball game, just because of the sheer output that he had to do. And and then for him to put in 14 points, six rebounds, five assists. I mean, he had a a great game, and and they needed him to because of not having the normal guard rotation. You saw Walt McGrory get more time and Trevor Anderson, but really, um, Trice and Pritzel were out there for damn near the entire game, um, and 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 I thought played really well and helped the team out in a major way. Yeah, we we kind of talked about it in the last episode that we expected Trice to not really get off the floor just given the assignment that he had and what they had behind him in terms of trying to match up with Cassius Winston. So that was another impressive effort because it is, <laughs> I can't imagine, you know, guarding Cassius Winston for 39 minutes and, you know, producing on the other end. Usually in some Trice games, you know, you think to the last Michigan State game, he exerted a lot of effort on that defensive end and he did a great job against Cassius Winston in the round one, but you didn't see a lot of offense from him in that first game. This time, he put it together on both sides and played more minutes. It just shows that a guy like him, who's also been kind of ragged on at, at times this season, has a lot of heart and, and really cares about this team and this program, and, and he left it all on the court on Saturday. Yeah, no doubt. Let's talk about the second half. Uh, obviously, the first half was, was more than ideal. It was a great half of basketball, probably one of the better halves of basketball this team's played all season long. And then the second half, you know, kind of came out and, you know, they were outscored 36 to 21 in that second half. So a lot of it was just kind of as Jake Kokorowski always, you know, tweets out during the game, hold on to your butts. And that's kind of what it was for most of that second half, because you felt the Michigan State wave. Even in the first half, you felt that Michigan State was too talented of a team to be held down and in check for that long. You knew a wave was going to come and, and that's just college basketball in general, but what did you make of the second half in terms of a difference from the first half and how how worried were you that this thing was maybe going to slip away from them? Let's not forget that Wisconsin just won a game by scoring 21 points and a half. I mean, you look back and people were pulling teeth after Wisconsin scored 20 points in a half uh, in a first half and were very upset, which with all due respect, should, they should have been upset. But they just won against one of the premier teams in college basketball with only putting on 21 points in the second half. It was one of those where it was just like your car is dying and you're running out of gas and you just are <laughs> sliding into the gas station is what it reminded me of. They didn't score a field goal the last 727 of the game. They had, I want to say, a seven-plus-minute drought in the middle of it. It was, it was not pretty. 
And I think the players will be the first to tell you they went on a nice run in the middle of it as well, where they had a nice little streak that Tom Izzo called the timeout on. But outside of that little quick burst, I mean, nothing really went Wisconsin's way uh, on the offensive end. The defensive end, they were still great. Like they still did a good job. They still held Michigan State to 36 points, which in the second half, which isn't bad when you consider that Michigan State usually averages 77 a game. So I think. Wisconsin did just enough uh, to, to handle their business, but man, the offense, um, you know, and that's been something that always happens to Wisconsin. And that that's why we talked last week about the need for a slasher, a guy who can create when you just need a basket to get to the rim, get to the free throw line and score. Um, they did, they still are struggling with that, but they did just enough to win it in my eyes. Just enough is exactly the way I would put it too. That it was just one of those, where you were hoping that each defensive possession they were going to get a stop and and come down and and just put together enough points to keep this kind of scraping by and it the analogy that you put together was was a perfect one that it was just a struggle on that offensive end but they didn't let it get I I think a lot of times in basketball you can let that struggle on the offensive end frustrate you on the defensive end and you can get lazy or or lackadaisical and, and sloppy and give up easy buckets but Credit to Greg Gard, credit to the guys on the floor. They didn't do that. They they put in the effort on that defensive end to hold a very high-powered offense that, that can score at will against some teams. To, to kind of hold them in check was was impressive, and, and it shows if this team can put together a, a decent effort of offensive basketball for 40 minutes coupled with that defensive effort on the other end, they can be a really good basketball team no matter what five are on the floor. Yeah, I mean, they've got some versatility within that. I think some of that versatility took a hit with Kobe King not being there. But at the same time, they've got the bodies. They've got the players that can do it. They, I will say this, they're going to need to shoot a hell of a lot better than 25% in second halves going forward if they want to win. Um, but they did they did just enough to win. Um, and I think, I think that's where Aleem Ford was at his best was in that second half. I mean, you saw just some terrible shots being thrown up by people. There was one where it was like a – Micah Potter shot a, a three-pointer within the – like it was the first touch that came from Trice bringing it down the court, and he just jacked up a three, um, like along came Polly style, and it just was nowhere close. And I was like, what the heck, dude? And they got a they got a fast break out of it. And um, I was like, well, this this isn't looking good. But then you saw Aleem Ford come down, hit a couple big buckets, and really uh, swing that momentum, hit a couple three-pointers. And those were – that's I think that stretch where he hit the two three pointers, they got a nice bucket inside. That was really what they needed, and that was in my eyes the only reason they won that game um, was not only the the big burst in the first half, but also that short little snippet in the middle where they were able to do just enough to uh, to put Michigan State back on their heels and slow down the momentum because neither team could score it for the last like seven minutes basically. Yeah, that last seven minutes was was brutal basketball. Obviously, you're in tune with it because your your team's battling to pull off a big upset. But offensively, it was not a, a solid output from either team. A lot of sloppy passes, turnovers. Xavier Tillman had a brutal brutal last stretch of really the last ten minutes for him. Uh, missed layups and, and turnovers that that really helped the Badgers in terms of. Just just flipping the possession. When you talk about football a lot, you talk about flipping the field and, and playing the possession game. It seemed like those last seven or eight minutes that Michigan State obviously wasn't looking to to run clock and, and hold the ball, but it seemed like the Badgers were just 
you know, doing enough to get the ball back and, and burn some clock and, and just essentially punt it back and go play defense in a lot of ways. Yeah, no, I, I think you're spot on there. That's what they were doing. And, you know, it, it was not uh, something that the Cole Center was exactly thrilled with because it was it was, hey, let's wait till they start counting down from five before we actually start looking to score. But it like I said, a win's a win and it's a huge win for them to get. Tom Izzo was very um, complimentary of the team uh, in the post game, just really kind of talking about how people needed to chill out and how he he actually kind of saw this possibly coming just because of what uh, he knows happens in basketball and how a, a rallied team can can go. And I'm, I'm hoping that it's not going to parlay itself into a, a letdown um, now looking ahead to Minnesota. But, you know, you've got some tired guys who have played a lot of extra minutes than they normally do. So um, I think getting Brad Davison back, who – didn't play at all and hopefully that hips feeling better is big um but you just have to hope that it wasn't too much of a roller emotional roller coaster that then they have a letdown in at minnesota yeah exactly you know let's talk about that minnesota game obviously brad davison will be back which will definitely help with some fresh legs and i'm sure minnesota fans will be thrilled to see their favorite uh, arch nemesis on the court against them at minnesota but you mentioned that the letdown spot is something it sounds like you're concerned about. That's something that I kind of alluded to concern wise going forward for this team. But this Minnesota team is, is not necessarily in the same spot as the Badgers is they're probably giving their, they're coming off two straight losses, losing three of four. So they're probably on the outside looking in, in terms of the tournament, but a win over Wisconsin would do wonders for this team. So what do the Badgers need to do to go on the road in a place that they've sometimes struggled with and, and, make sure to handle their business and in, in these type of games against a, you know, a 500 Minnesota team. I think it's going to come down to energy. We saw what, it, what Wisconsin could do and they came out with really good energy uh, in that first half against Michigan state. I mean, for, for all it's worth for the first, or I guess for most of that Iowa game, Wisconsin played with tremendous energy and Iowa is a much better basketball team than Minnesota. Um, so I think if Wisconsin can do a really good job on the interior defense, like they did against Michigan state, where we talked about they limited Xavier Tillman. They limited uh, a guy like Aaron Henry, who only had five points at playing 36 minutes as a starter. Um, I think if Reavers, Potter, and Ford can do the same thing against Daniel Aturu, they'll have a, a good shot at winning this game, but it's going to have to come from another team effort, energy high, coming out um, ready to play, because I don't think they want the barn getting getting all excited and ready for it. Um, and, and instead, they need to come out and, and kind of get their emotions in check and really fire themselves up. Yeah, definitely. You've got to you've got to bring it in a game like that, and it's going to come down to guys. Obviously, making shots is going to be you know from an X's and O standpoint is going to be probably the biggest thing that you can take away from last game and hope it translates better into this game. But really, you know, not letting a team like Minnesota hang around is something I think is going to be important, and that you know stems off of the energy that that each player brings with finally I think that issues and, and everything that happened last week behind them they can now kind of just focus on playing basketball hopefully you know there's always there's been ebbs and flows in this season but hopefully you know this group that's there and, and wanting to be at Wisconsin and playing you know now has a chance to to just play basketball and you know, block out everything else and after the Minnesota game, I mean, these these last nine games are, are all very winnable. You look at Ohio State, Nebraska, Purdue, Rutgers, 
in the you know this next five stretch paired with Minnesota. These are all games that the Badgers can win and and really improve their resume as they head towards March. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a very difficult game, but this is a winnable stretch for Wisconsin. Like you just said, they can go ahead and they can really make a dent. They can win some some games. A couple of them are going to be on the road, but they're winnable. They're teams that are below them in the standings, teams that are have not been kind of doing as well as of late. But it, and I also bring it back and, and caution by saying, hey, there's I think it's like 18 total um, home losses in the Big Ten this year. And when you take out Nebraska and Northwestern, who are just garbage fires right now. Um, so it, it's it's one of those things where you you think Wisconsin's got a really good shot here. But Minnesota has been tough at home. Um, you know, only having only lost twice. You, you see what happened when they played Purdue, another tough environment, I think. Purdue, Mackey is a lot tougher than Minnesota, but at the same time, Wisconsin's got to come in there and be ready to play from the jump, and they got to play two solid halves of basketball if they want to win this one. Yeah, you can't just kind of skate by and expect to you know play lights out the way you did against Michigan State in that first half. It's got to be a consistent half from from both sides, and I think that's going to be something to to really watch for in this Minnesota game. But obviously. Everything comes down to the, this final nine, you know, nine games in this final stretch. But the Badgers put themselves in a really good position by taking down a, a top 25 team, picking up another top tier win, and it really boosts this resume to, to keep things going. But anything else to cover basketball-wise? No, I, I just think I think Wisconsin's in a good place. I think. We had kind of talked about the, hey, everything's going to be okay, um, but there are things to be frustrated about. Um, but I, th- I think if they can do a good job on Daniel Oturu and, and also kind of limit what Marcus Carr and Gabe Kalshur can do, I think they'll be in a, a good place for this game and that they can they can escape with a W. Let's hope so. Obviously, that'll be a exciting one Wednesday night on the Big Ten Network, tipping off at 8 o'clock in the barn of Minnesota. All right, guys, that wraps up our portion of the podcast. We're a little bit shorter than normal, but we've got a nice little interview here, like we mentioned earlier, with Alan True of 247 Sports, who's going to talk Wisconsin football recruiting. Again, like we mentioned, goes into a ton of depth in terms of recruiting that the, the common you know knowledge fan probably doesn't think about. Talks about some recruiters in Wisconsin's program. Talks about some standouts from this class, uh, both in the 2020 class and the 2021 class. So, a lot of exciting stuff. And then next, or our next episode will be on Thursday as normal. Uh, we'll recap the Minnesota game and everything like that, and we'll uh, get into some more position previews. But for today, we wanted to focus on this recruiting because obviously Alan is a, a very tremendous uh, content producer in the recruiting stuff for 247. So if you were looking for more info and more publications, make sure to go check those guys out. They do a great job. Uh, enjoy the interview. Thank you guys for listening on Wisconsin. All right, Badger fans, we now welcome on a very special guest, Alan True from 247 Sports. You may have seen some of his stuff over there covering recruiting for the Midwest region. Uh, I've got a lot of great stuff. Obviously, 247 is one of the huge publications that a lot of you Badger fans probably check out on a regular basis. If you're all into recruiting, which most of our listeners are, we know that's a big uh, big part of our show so we wanted to get him on and, and get some ideas uh and some thoughts on this class for wisconsin and, and recruiting in general so i've got matt and alan on here alan thanks for joining us hey no problem guys thanks for having I, me yeah we, we really appreciate it um so let's get right into it obviously the the class of 2020 for wisconsin one of the better ones that the badgers have 
have put together in terms of rankings from you guys and, and other publications. But what are just kind of your uh, overall thoughts of the class of 2020 for Wisconsin? Yeah, I think the last two classes for Wisconsin have been really good. Um, and this one is in our national top 25. It's top five in the Big Ten. And that is also with the knowledge that Wisconsin is probably never going to have super highly ranked national classes. Sometimes people think it's because we don't rank their recruits super high. It's actually because they have such little attrition that Wisconsin doesn't typically sign big classes. Um, and, and class size does factor into the rankings a little bit. So when you take 20 guys, it's going to be hard to push any higher than where they're at. But 25 is a really good mark for a class of 20 uh, commits. And we think there's a lot of guys in this class who have high-end potential. Uh, we've got one five-star at least on our, on our uh, board with Jack Nelson and several other fours and some guys that I think we're a little bit higher on maybe than the rest of the field. Um, Alan, Wisconsin has kind of been beaten out traditionally by some of the bigger names such as Ohio State or Notre Dame uh, in the Midwest in terms of recruiting. But do you see that that gap might s slowly be closing or do you think that it's, it's um, still very far apart? Well, I think Ohio State has really increased the gap talent wise and recruiting wise between themselves and really, I think, the entire rest of the Big Ten. They're just recruiting at a at, at a level that I don't think we've really seen them get to in the last couple of years when you look at how many top 100 prospects they have um, this year. And they're really one of the schools that I think is able to kind of put their money where their mouth is because they do produce a lot of top-end NFL draft picks. So those guys aren't just going to Ohio State. They're being developed there as well. But I think Wisconsin is recruiting better, as we just mentioned with the last two classes. They've um, – always been known as more of a developmental program they've become famous for taking walk-ons even and uh, two-star guys and three-star guys and turning them into pro prospects and really good big 10 players but i think in the last couple of classes you see them bringing in a higher ranked uh on average recruit than ever before so i do think they're closing the gap on if you want to talk about notre dame maybe penn state maybe michigan maybe schools like that in terms of recruiting on paper, I just think Ohio State's at a different level than everybody else at the moment. So it sounds like the Badgers are, are somewhat closing the gap on everybody else, but maybe Ohio State is just kind of distancing themselves from that gap. And in terms of it's kind of like it, it sounds like it's Ohio State and, and everybody else at this point. Right. In terms of recruiting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. on paper, this is going to be one of their best classes in, in recent memory. And they've had highly ranked classes every single cycle under you know Urban Meyer and then now Ryan Day. Well, you kind of talked about the walk-ons and stuff already, so I just kind of wanted to get your opinions kind of on that. You know, obviously we, we, Wisconsin has has done a a good job of of essentially doing doing more with less, and that that translates to on the field and off the field and stuff. But how do you think the Badgers have been so successful with traditionally lower-ranked recruiting classes? Well, it all comes down to development. I think they have great strength program. That retention that I mentioned. I mean, it's hard. Hard to develop a guy if he's not around for four or five years. Wisconsin keeps guys in their program. Um, then coaching and, and all of that. I also think that there's a little bit of a built-in advantage when you're in the state of Wisconsin. You have all these great linemen, at least. And you have a lot of good high school football. And you don't have a MAC program inside the state. Um, you don't have an FCS program inside the state. And I think that's partly why 
you know, some of the other schools like Whitewater are so successful, but it also allows Wisconsin to uh, sort of say, you know, if you don't get an offer from the Badgers, walking on here is going to be one of the next best options that uh, those kids have, unless they want to leave the state and go to, you know, an NDSU or other programs I think have caught on and now have come into Wisconsin. But traditionally, Wisconsin's been able to get some really great walk-ons from inside their home state as a result. Yeah, for sure. I think that's something that Wisconsin's really done a nice job of. Um, kind of jumping on that, speaking of lesser-known names, who are some under-the-radar um, stars that could bud from this 2020 class? Yeah, I, I would say first, um, James Thompson Jr. from Cincinnati. He's gone up a little bit in the rankings, but you know when Wisconsin first started recruiting him and offering him, um, he wasn't quite as big as he is now. Uh, had dealt with some injuries, so schools hadn't really seen a lot of him. Wisconsin really came in and took a chance on him um, before he had a chance to blow up. And now today, he's almost six foot six, 255 pounds, had a really great senior season, um, and as a guy who can really run at that size. So but at the time they offered him, he, he was not a very known prospect, did not have a single other Power 5 offer. And I think he really fits the system well. He's going to be an excellent 3-4 defensive end. And uh, that's that's just the kind of evaluation that I think's made Wisconsin successful throughout the years with those some of those lower-ranked or lesser-profile guys that we just mentioned. You know, going on that flip side of, of the maybe lesser-known players, is there a player in this class that you think is – is prepared from his high school, you know, experience to to jump onto campus and really help the Badgers out maybe early on from the jump of his career. You know, I don't see too much of that, and I think that's another reason that Wisconsin is is so successful is they don't play a ton of true freshmen. But I do think if there's one guy coming in, I would look at somebody like Jalen Berger. Um, he's going to be first of all, I think running backs are one of the positions that I don't want to say it's easy to come in, but it's easier maybe than an offensive lineman who still has to develop physically. Uh, Berger's six feet, 205 pounds. He's going to be come in with good size. Uh, Don Bosco, perhaps a great program in the state of New Jersey. Um, and then I think there's going to be some opportunity there with Jonathan Taylor leaving. There are some good backs coming back, but Berger may be a guy who, who you can get some carries to get his feet wet. And I think out of the, the group, um, he's one of the more physically ready. Um, speaking of kind of physically ready, a player you're very familiar with is Jordan Turner, uh, kind of grow, grew up in your neck of the woods. What do you think he's going to bring to the program and what kind of prospect are the Badgers getting? Yeah, as you mentioned, you know, has always looked, even as a sophomore, looked like he could have been a college freshman or sophomore himself. Um, very put together, been in the weight room a lot. And, and is a good athlete, too, though. You know, he's played some tight end, um, has run around well at some camps and workouts that we've seen him at maybe fell I don't want to say under the radar because he had some good offers but Farmington's not a high school in Michigan that's traditionally pumped out a ton of top recruits and he played in a conference that has a bunch of stacked schools so maybe he didn't get the attention some of those guys did but was always um, one of the best players on the field and actually led his team pretty deep into the playoffs as a senior so he's going to be physical he's smart I think he can play a couple different linebacker positions but when I look at the class that Wisconsin has coming in and how he fits their system, I think he will be uh, one of the inside linebackers in this class and be a really good Big Ten run stuffer because he's not afraid to put his nose in the action and be physical. 
Jack Nelson is the you know the highest rated player in this class and recently earned a, a fifth star from you guys at two four seven. And I know you've been very high on him throughout his recruiting process. So what about his game, maybe physically or or just his talent wise, stands out to you? Well, first, I think he is what you look for now when you look at an offensive tackle prospect. It used to be you would just want the you know the biggest guy that you could find. And I think Wisconsin was one of the teams who kind of ushered in this. You know, let's let's look for leaner guys. Um, they've even you know you look at them converting David Edwards from being a high school quarterback and how many tight high school tight ends they've taken and turned into excellent offensive linemen. Jack Nelson's built a little bit um, like a high, big high school tight end. Uh, he's filled out more now, but when he first started getting recruited by Wisconsin, he's about 240 pounds. And he went down to the All-American Bowl in San Antonio and really looked the part. Our guys thought, you know, it was two years in a row that I had sent a guy down there, and uh, I think I was the only one on our staff that had seen either he, him or Logan Brown physically, and when those guys walked into check-in, and I got a whole bunch of texts of like, man, these guys are like prototype looking offensive tackle prospects. And then Jack goes out and, you know, he had being up in Stoughton and being an early commit. He'd never gone to even a regional camp or anything where we saw him blocking uh, even a division one prospect, let alone all Americans. And he handled himself extremely well in that situation. So between that, his aggressiveness, the bloodlines, the fact that his dad played in the NFL and at Wisconsin. He had really outstanding testing results from last spring, ran a really, really good shuttle. Uh, I think all of that put together made us say, you know, this guy lo- looks the part of a future high draft pick. Um, you know, kind of pivoting, what do you think about Wisconsin's current collection of players in the 2021 class? And uh, beyond that, who are some other pl- targets to kind of keep an eye on for Badger fans? Well, I think you you, you look at what they've done recruiting-wise and – Traditionally, again, Wisconsin was a school that would wait a little bit later, offer some guys later, get a lot of guys to camp. And while they still do some of that, I think they've gotten a lot more aggressive with their recruiting efforts. And it's paid off even going back to last year's class, the 2019 group, which a lot of them had been committed the previous fall. So the fact that they have eight uh, 2021 commits already, I think, shows that they're being more aggressive. The fact that a lot of them are from in-state shows that they're willing to you know, offer early and, and kind of keep that wall around Wisconsin and not let other schools come in and beat them to the punch. I think it's a really good group. I mean, we just talked about all the reasons we like Jack Nelson and J.P. Benchwall and Riley Malman have a lot of those same qualities. Hunter Wolder might be the best pure football player in the state of Wisconsin. He's just outstanding uh, in, in every aspect of the game and all around safety. Brian Sanborn's obviously got um, the, the bloodlines behind him and, and really, really good tape. He's not living off of that that last name. So I can go on and on about all of these guys. And you get an early commit from a quarterback from out in California in Deacon Hill. So I think it's a really, really good group early on. I like them for a couple other Midwestern outside linebacker targets. Daryl Peterson from Akron's really blown up. Wisconsin offered him first. Um, and since then he is like Alabama, Northwestern, a bunch now, but I think Wisconsin being the first school to start all that for him and the fact they got him on campus early, that's going to help them maybe weather that storm of uh, this offer rush. I like them from TJ Bowlers out of Iowa. He's an Iowa legacy, um, which is pretty rare that, that that will happen, that a kid like that will leave the state. I know Wisconsin's really battling Nebraska more than Iowa at this point, but um, I like where Wisconsin stands with him. I think one thing that a lot of people, when when paying attention to recruiting, don't maybe think about is 
is the guys in there making the pitch for recruits? I mean, obviously you talk about the players and they get the attention, but the, from that comes obviously recruiters and, and the guys that are in the living group and making those pitches. Who is on the Wisconsin staff maybe stands out to you as a really strong recruiter that kind of you know gets in the living room and, and really gets these guys' attentions as young high schoolers? Well, I think Jim Leonard is one. I mean, he's young. You know, he played the game, and he came from a position of you know, walking on, and he can kind of talk about how he developed into the player that he was and, and sell that part of it. He's, they've also had great defensive success under him, so he's able to push that. So he, he's got a lot of qualities there that I think um, he, make him a really good recruiter. Bobby April is rising. You look at the linebacker recruits Wisconsin's gotten of late, and I think he's done a great job of identifying talent and then uh, recruiting those guys, once again, a young guy. Um, and, and he's got, you know, some background behind him with his dad having the NFL ties. And I think Joe Rudolph continues to do an outstanding job, you know, and, and his resume and uh, the guys that he's coached and the guys that he's developed, I think all of those things um, play a part. And then not to switch it a little bit, but I think the guys in the recruiting department, Saeed Khalif, um, Jensen Gebhardt, those guys have done a really outstanding job. I think the the off the field guys maybe don't get as much credit or even blame when schools do well or schools do poorly in re- recruiting. But I think those that staff, that off field recruiting staff at Wisconsin has done just an outstanding job in the last few cycles. You had talked about kind of those off the field guys, and that's such a, an up and coming trend in, in the business that I'm sure that you've noticed and that other schools are jumping on. Um, what, what, do you, what goes in on the day to day for those guys and what they do and how much do they kind of impact a decision that a young person's going through? Yeah. So first, I think they're called support staff for a reason. You know, coaches are extremely busy. Those guys are on the road recruiting a lot. Um, they're trying to text recruits, call recruits. They're doing in-homes. They're doing all those things. And they're still trying to coach football and win games and watch film and do all of those things. So as much pressure as the recruiting staff can take off of the coaching staff, um, the better. And so I think those guys first are, are filters. They're making sure that by the time a, a student athlete's film is watched by, say, Joe Rudolph or by Coach Chris, um, that they've already filtered it down to these are, you know, you, you only need to watch this group of guys because we've already filtered out the ones who can't play at Wisconsin. So I think that that's important is narrowing down the list. And then they're often the ones making the contact to say, they come to our junior days, come to our camps, um, send us some more information. They're doing a lot of the legwork um, for the coaching staff. So I think that's really important. And then once they get on campus, those guys already all have some prior relationship with the kids. So ultimately uh, the recruits are going to choose who they're going to be playing for. They're going to, the position coach is going to be an important uh, recruiter. The strength coach is going to be an important recruiter, but your recruiting staff is really your first line, your first contact a lot of the time. And then also guys you're leaning on in terms of scouting and making sure that the coaches aren't wasting their time uh, watching a ton of film of kids who aren't ultimately able to play at your school. Excellent stuff from Alan True over at 247 Sports. Matt, any further questions? Otherwise, we'll we'll cut Alan loose. No, that was awesome. Just really appreciate that you would hop on and talk with us and uh, give us your knowledge and uh, really look forward to reading more about Wisconsin recruiting coming out of you. No problem, guys. Appreciate you having me on. 
Thank you.